We're continuing our series, Building Overcomers, and uh, we've been focusing this month on the benefits of what we receive as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we've been looking at several different aspects of that. Last week, a couple of weeks ago, we began uh, this series by talking about how the, we are overcomers of sin. In other words, man was separated from God and by sin, and because Jesus defeated sin for us, he built a bridge back to God, and because of that, we can boldly come uh, to the throne of grace and ask God for mercy because God sees us as being right. He sees us as being right in his presence, not because of what we did, but because of what Christ did, and that's a wonderful thing. Also, we, are, we talked last week about overcomers of death, meaning that we really don't have to fear death. I believe that many of times that we shortchange our opportunities because we're overly concerned with death. And one of the things that we talked about is that, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. So as a Christian, we don't need to fear death because we have overcome death because Jesus got up from that grave. And as a consequence of Jesus getting up from the grave, we also defeat death. So we can go full bore for Jesus. We can live rambunctiously, if you will, confidently. We can pursue his will. We can run dangerously in doing the things that God called us to do without fear because we are overcomers of the fear of death. And today I want to talk about something that is so, somewhat kind of tied to our first message in this particular series, I want to talk about overcoming the old man, if you will. I want to talk about right living. Now, I think this is important that we do scale this because understanding that spiritually that our sins have been forgiven, that Jesus fulfilled everything that needed to be fulfilled in order for us to be made right with God. But even though that is a reality, practically, we still have the power and the ability to make choices in terms of how we live. One of the benefits of being a believer, I believe one of the true benefits of being saved, is that we have power to live right, which we did not have before because we were a slave to sin, but now having been made right with God and Christ defeated death, hell and the grave, then we can walk in a whole new way of living. We can walk in freedom. I really believe that one of the things that Satan wants us to do is he wants us to spend our lifetime feeding our fleshly man. In other words, uh, just because you got saved and got right with God does not mean that you don't still have that old nature that is trying to pull you back into your old way of living. And I got, I got news for you. You may not want to hear this, but you're going to continue to have that struggle as long as you're on the earth. You're going to continue to have to battle with your flesh now. But the beautiful thing is you don't have to park there because Jesus has given us power and, and the ability to be able to, to not be a slave to sin. So none of us, none of us, listen, and I, I know sometimes and, and, you know, we talk an awful lot about grace. I am, all of us are recipients of God's grace. And we need to talk often about God's grace, but we don't need to misunderstand or abuse the grace of God because the grace of God is not a license to continue in our old way of living. 
So as a consequence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been given the power and the ability to walk right. That is our inheritance because we need to draw a, a, a we need to draw a distinction from who we are and, 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 and what the world sees. People need to be able to see Christians and they need to see us as being uniquely different. They need to be able to see that non, you, you're not the same because when they cannot draw a distinction between the two, we lose our ability and our capacity to really influence anybody because we're walking and we're living in the same old way and, and, and following the same old dictates of our flesh. And your flesh is all jacked up. You got to understand that about your flesh. Your flesh knows exactly where it's been. It knows exactly where you left off that uh, right before you came to Christ. Your flesh is not right with God, but your spirit man has been redeemed. So, so, so understanding that, then, then so that, because we talked about the real death first starts in the realm of the spirit. We talked about that last week. We talked about how Adam, even though when they ate the fruit that, that the Lord said, you will surely die. But y'all knew, y'all do understand that it was hundreds of years before that, that, that physical death actually happened. But that physical death was as a result of his spiritual death. And so our spiritual death is, is, is what Jesus dealt with first, what he had to deal with, because real death is in the spirit. Y'all don't understand that. That's where real death occurs. And so when you see somebody lying in a casket, what you're seeing is a person who is lying there as a consequence of spiritual death. That's what's happening there. And, and so what Jesus does, he comes to fix that problem. And not only did he fix the problem, but, you know, I, I love the fact that, that we, don't, we no longer have to be a slave to the way that we used to live. When I came to Jesus Christ by way of a very small testimony, one of the things that captivated me so much was when I began to uh, uh, just absorb the word of God and begin to understand that I had, a, I had a new identity. You know, there's a lot of Christians who still have an identity crisis, if you can call them a Christian. I'm just saying, you know, they're still trying to figure out who am I? And how much can I do? What can I get away with? Can I still do eight? And, you know, I had none of that. I mean, I just wanted to know who am I? So it caused me to get into that Bible, to read it, to digest it, because since I'm now changed, I've been resurrected. So then if I'm resurrected, that means I'm a new person. Then that means that I need to understand and figure out who I am. And it takes time to understand who you are. Because a person that have an identity crisis, they're not living, they're not thriving, they're not really absorbing and enjoying the Christian life as God would have them to enjoy it. It's our inheritance that is being robbed by the enemy. So we understand something, church, that Jesus quickened us not just for eternal salvation. Because if it was just for that and that alone, he could have, listen, he could have saved us and took us straight on to heaven. Am I right about it? He could have said, no, but, but he's left us here as a witness. And I'm going to talk about how that what Jesus did, he came to destroy the works of the devil. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to, I'm going to go there here in a moment. So I want you to get this into your spirit. And, and I'm not going to, I want to say this carefully because somebody will misunderstand what I'm saying. So you got to listen carefully so you get it right. It's never okay to sin. Y'all understand what I, what I say when I, when I say that? It's never okay. You hear people say, oh, it's all right. It's never okay to sin. You know why You know why it's never okay? Because the wages of sin is what? Sin has consequences. 
David was a righteous man for the most part, and David was a man after God's own heart. But even David's sin, how many know that David's sin with Bathsheba, it still cost him a lot. He had a whole bunch of problems within his family, relational problems, all because of that sin. So I want you to understand, it's never okay to embrace the idea that it's okay to sin. No, we want to live above that. Now, when we do sin, praise God, we have an advocate. Amen? We have an advocate where we can go to the Father. And we can say, Lord, I blew it today and ask for mercy. And how do you know your daddy would be right there to catch you? He'd be right there to pat you on the back and say, oh boy, okay, boy, okay, girl, okay, son, okay, daughter, get right back up. And like he told the woman, you remember the woman who was caught in adultery? What did he say to her? Come on. Go and what? Sin no more. So we want to live in the full measure of freedom that God has given to each and every one of us. And we have the grace and the power to do it. And so I'm going to cover three points today. I'm going to talk about the resurrection and how the resurrection life calls us out of sin. All right. We're going to talk in the point two. We're going to cover how the resurrection life provides power over sin. And then the third point I'm going to cover is the resurrection life provides freedom from sin. So let's take the first one. The resurrection life calls us out. Everybody say it calls us out. That's, that's important. It calls us out. You ever been called out? Been called out of a classroom? You've been called out? You've been singled out? You know, usually when you're called out, you kind of stand out, don't you? All right? How many know that when, when God calls us out of sin, he's calling us out of sin with a purpose, and we're supposed to stand out. Everybody is supposed to know you have been called out. Everybody's supposed to know it. Everybody's supposed to know I have been called out. So let's look at a couple of verses here. First John chapter 3, 8 says, he who sinned is of the devil. He's talking about the person that have a lifestyle where they just practice sin. They practice sinful living. They haven't changed internally, externally. They are not redeemed. So they follow the dictates of their flesh and of their minds. By default, they do. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Look at that. For this purpose, watch this, for this purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God, talking about Jesus, was manifested. Why was Jesus manifested? Jesus was manifested that he might destroy, watch this, the works of the devil. All right? So Jesus came on the scene. So, so we understand that every, every wrongdoing Every wrong action is a, as a result of sin. Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan, the works that Satan is doing in the earth, the works of division, the works of anger, the works of immorality, the works of wars and rumors of wars, the works of hate, the works of destruction. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He was manifest. So that's what he came to do. 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 17 says this, Therefore, come out. Everybody say, come out. Come out from among them. Now, don't misinterpret that. Because Paul says in, in the book, I believe, of the book of Corinthians, he says now, he, he, want, he, say, he talks about coming out. He's not saying that I don't want you to associate with sinful people. Because he said then, if that is the case, then you need to come out of the world. So he's not telling you that. But, but he said, now, he says, come out from among them. He's saying, look, separate yourself from their sinful lifestyle. 
All right. Let that be something that stands out. Come out from among them. Watch this church and be separate. Separate. In other words, to be sanctified, to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be different, to make it known that, yes, I may be out here with you. I may be visiting your house. I may be at work with you. But understand that, that I separate myself from sinful activity. That's what it means when it says to come out. He says, come out because this is really part of our life. And do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. In other words, God blesses us when we make a conscientious decision that we are going to come out and we're not going to follow and we're not going to bow down to the sinful ways of this world. So he's telling us to come out of that old lifestyle. Come out of what you used to be. Stop trying to remember how it was. Come out of that lifestyle that led you to unhappiness. Come out of that lifestyle that led you to a place when you realized one day, and however you did it, that you needed to make a change. You needed to give your life to Jesus because you understood that the way that you were going was not right. It was not fulfilling and you were missing something. And so you came out in order that you might come in to his light. So how many how many know that not only do we need to come out, but we need to stay out. Everybody say stay out. We got to stay out. We got to stay out. Because this is power, church. This is where our power source lies right here. First, Peter says. Uh, verse 4, 4 says, in regard to these, talking about men and their behavior, that they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They think it's strange. You know, when you start coming out from among them, you start coming, uh, coming out from among sinful activity, the other folks who are around, they're going to look at you like, they're going to say, what's wrong with you? You're strange. If everybody else, you know, and kids deal with this all the time. Everybody else is doing it. How many know children they have to experience a great deal of peer pressure. Am I right about it? Because they see their friends and everybody else, and they see the majority acting this way. Then they hear mom and dad, and they come into an environment like this, and we're saying something totally opposite. So they're thinking that, so, so they're confronted with this idea, maybe it might be something, because we're in a minority, maybe it might be something wrong with my mom. Maybe it may be something wrong with my dad. It's something wrong with those strange church people. But how many know there ain't nothing wrong with us? How many know this Bible is everlasting? This Bible has been here throughout and going to stay here. The Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Bank it. The Bible is here to stay and it will outlast your buddies. It will outlast your friends and everybody else's ideology that don't line up with the scripture. God's word will stand the test of time. Can we give Jesus a praise clap for his word? I mean, that's, that's, that's the time to clap right there. His word. So he says that they're going to think you're strange. Why don't you do what everybody else is doing? Why don't you live? I mean, seriously, what's wrong with you? Why are you acting this way? Because you understand that you've been called with a holy calling. You've been set apart. You've been chosen. In fact, I want to read that verse. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I probably say that about a lot of verses. But this really is. You can rank them up there. Dive, if you ever want to record something, the pastor's favorite verse, just kind of remember this, and this is one of my favorites. He says, but you are a chosen generation. Look at that. What everybody wants is a sense of what? Significance. That's what people look for. That's what young people want. You want a sense of belonging. You want a sense of purpose. You want a sense of 
you know, am I important? Do people really care about me? And, you know, am, you know, am I really loved? Here it is right here. Have you ever had a question about it? it? But you are, talking about us Christians, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Glory to God. A holy nation. There it is. Holy, separate, sanctified, distinct, unusually good. <laughs> I like that. His own special people. That's a good word right there. We are God's own special people out of all the peoples of the earth, of all the groups of the earth, those who are called out and who are believers. God says that you are special. You're his own special people that you might watch this. Now, 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 why did he call us out? Why are we chosen? Why are we royal police? Why are we, uh, we are kings? And the Bible says kings and king of kings. Why are we there? Why have we been called to this? He says, here it is right here, that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you, watch this, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So here's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to be actively proclaiming the praises of our God. We're supposed to be proclaiming Jesus, talking about Jesus, preaching Jesus, and, and, and uh, representing Jesus. Uh, you know, we, we have been called out so that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of that darkness. He called us out of that former life. He called us out of that old way of living. He called us out. That's why we've been resurrected. That's what it means. That's why we're overcomers. We're overcomers because we're overcomers because we're in Christ and we overcame the world. We overcame the ideology of the world. We overcame the way that the world thinks by the blood of Jesus. Verse 10, who were once not a people. That's what we used to be. Before we were saved, we, weren't, we didn't belong to God. We didn't belong to him. But now we're the people of God for those who are in Christ who had not obtained mercy. But now we've got mercy. I love it. Beloved, Paul, look, listen, Peter says this, beloved, I'm begging you. As sojourners and pilgrims, pilgrims. Now, here's what that means. Sojourners and pilgrims. Here's what he's simply saying. You are only here for a temporary stay. You ever go to a. You know, go to a hotel, you go to a, or go on vacation someplace. You know, right off the bat, when you go there, you're only going to be here for about a week. You're only going to be in Disney for about a week, right? It's a temporary stay. It's not meant to be permanent. And, you know, sometimes we have to tell our kids, this ain't going to be forever. This is for a couple of days that we got to go back home. How I many know that we're only here for a temporary time? We got to stop acting like this world is our permanent residence. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It is not. And to the degree that we keep thinking that way, we will never experience the full body of what it means to, to, to proclaim the praises of him who called us into his light or, or what it means to walk in his light. Peter has to, he said, I'm begging you, abstain from those fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. You know, one of the evidences that you save is that you're in an eternal war. You're in a war with yourself. You have to sometimes talk to yourself. You ever told yourself, shut up and sit down? Have anybody ever told yourself that? 
I've told myself to shut self, shut up. What's wrong? You are out of your mind. Shut up. You ever get a crazy at the shut up? Why are you talking? Sit down. See? Because we're in a war. There's this, our fleshly appetite. There, there's this battle for who wants to win our affections. So we can't give in because we have a holy calling. We've been set apart. We've been sanctified for Jesus. We're called to live for him. That's what the resurrection life means. That's what it means to walk in the power of the resurrection. To live for him. To live above sin 2 Corinthians 5.17, everybody is familiar with this particular passage of Scripture. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, let me see a, a show of hands. Who is in Christ in this room? Let me see your hands. Who, who is in Christ? Okay. I see just about everybody. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. Don't let nobody tell you about all the stuff you used to do and all that stuff. Don't matter. You're a new creation. Old things died, passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And what have become new? You know, the world around you don't become new. The world doesn't change. The world remains the same. The world around you don't change. But you know what changes? You change. You have become new. You have become this new creation that is in this dark world so your perspective, your attitude, your worldview, your behavior now has shifted to one of a spiritual dimension that is rooted in Jesus Christ. Because we understand that we were buried with him, the scripture says, in baptism. Like Christ was raised from the dead, we've been raised too. This new, that we might walk in newness of life. That's Romans 6, 4. So going back to what Paul says here in the book of Romans, when he exegeted this particular text in Romans chapter 6, he says here, what shall we say then? He's really asking this rhetorical question because it would make sense to ask the question because, hey, if Jesus took care of my sin, if he died for me, he paid my sin debt, he made me righteous, hey, then if I'm already made right with God, why don't I just go ahead and live any old kind of way? Why not I just go ahead and whatever my flesh won't, just give it, just give my flesh whatever my, how many know that whenever you want to give your flesh what, it, what your flesh won't, you're going to be in bad trouble? Uh, <laughs> you know, my flesh, man, you know, they had some, they gave me a cake the other day for my retirement party and uh, Friday. And, and, you know, that cake was so good. And my flesh was saying, you need to eat a whole lot more of that cake. Because I ate one piece, and my flesh was saying, go get some more. And I said, no, no. My flesh was saying, you earned it. You retired. Just go for it. You put in 27 years. Ain't nothing wrong with you having some extra cake. Ain't nothing wrong with you eating up all that pork barbecue. Remember my wife said, no more pork. But how many know if you listen to your flesh, you will be messed up, not just spiritually, but physically in every other way? Because your flesh, you got to take control. You got to discipline. You got to beat your flesh down every day and tell your flesh, look, we're going to go to the gym today and we're going to exercise. We're going to put the fork down today. We're going to eat this much and no more. Because your flesh ain't. Paul said no good thing to weather than my flesh. 
Ain't that what he said? Paul said, nothing good to well in my flesh. So you got to understand that. So one of the things that we understand as people who have been spiritually redeemed is that we're disciplined. We're disciplined because of our relationship with Christ. And so we learn to beat our flesh. Paul said, look, shall I continue to sin that grace may abound? He says in verse 2, are you nuts? I paraphrase. He says, fool, how, that's crazy. No, why would you want to do that if, if you already know that the consequences of sin is death? If you already know that the sinful lifestyle, it did not give you the real fulfillment that you wanted. Why would you go back to there? I, I brought you out so that you can enjoy what it means to walk in freedom from the lust of our flesh. This is what Paul is saying here. He says, look, how can we do that? How shall, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Why would you even ask the question Paul is saying? Why would you even think that just because of what Jesus did for you, that that means that you can go on and just live like a, you know, I always say this. I say, well, you know, if a person, if, if their salvation to them means that they is, is a license that did for them to sin, they can say, well, you know what, I'm saved, but you know what, all I got to do is talk to God, he'll forgive me. Let me tell you something right now. A person that purposely, intentionally lived that way, I wonder if they ever got redeemed in the first place. Because one of the things that you know that when you really get redeemed, you don't want that. Now, you might have a moment where you slip up, but, you know, if you're spiritual, you're going to be convicted. If the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, something inside of you say, mm-mm-mm-mm, get it right, and you might be mad as all get up. And you want to hate this person. You want to walk in bitterness. You want to be free. But you know something inside of you saying, mm, 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 mm. you got to go get it right. And you know in your heart that it's the Holy Spirit that's telling you to do it. Because before when you had the Holy Spirit, brother, sister, y'all know we were just on, boy, we were just on automatic. <laughs> you know the flesh said, brother, if I want to take you out, I'm taking you out. Ain't nothing going to stop me. But now you got this thing on the inside of you that says, no, that's God talking to us. He's helping us. Paul says, talking here, he says, let's jump on over to verse, let's jump down to verse number 11, because I'm, I'm still talking about, this is Paul still making this case that we, that we don't want to be giving in to our, sens our, our sensual appetites. He says, likewise. You know, it's one of the things I had to learn when I first got saved. Some of y'all still learn this now, that, that the old man is always there. And those same desires will stay there. But you got to uproot them. You got to feed the one and starve the other. Y'all know what I mean when I say that. I was talking to my wife the other day. We, I, we had this conversation. Baby, we got to stay spiritually strong. Because if you don't feed your spirit, on, how, many, how many of you eat food every day? Come on, raise your hand. That's about everybody in this room. How many of you eat at least two meals a day? How many eat at least three meals a day? Four, Walter. How many of you four, Walter? Oh. <laughs> well, I think I'd be gaffing that. Y'all, you know, because you know, man, if you don't eat and drink, what's going to happen to you? Physically, you're going to perish. How can you go? The same thing from a spiritual standpoint. See, the more you feed yourself spiritually, the stronger you are going to be spiritually. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So if you're neglecting time in the word and fellowship and, and, and reading this book in prayer, and that, then spiritually you're going to be weak and you're going to be more susceptible. And it don't take what you miss one devotion. How many know you miss two? You miss two, you miss three. 
you miss three, you miss four. And before you knew it, you spent the whole week. And then all of a sudden, you come in here on Sunday, you want to try to be spiritual after we've been walking in the flesh all week. Y'all are hearing what I'm saying? See, can't do that. Because here's what happened. You're starving the thing that you need to overcome that fleshly appetite. So, the, so we need to keep, ba- so if for no other reason, Pastor, why do you always tell me to read the Bible every day? If for no other reason, keep feeding your spirit, man. Feed it. You can get tapes. You can get the podcast, right? If, if you don't like reading, man, you can get the word inside you any old kind of way. I, a lot of times I'm working out, I'm running. I'm, I'm listening to the word, you know. I'm, I'm, feed, I'm, I'm feeding my spirit, man. Why? Because I know my flesh I'm in opposition with it. And if I don't get a hold of it, I'm going to beat my flesh and feed my spirit, man. Because that old nature wants to take control. That's why he says, don't let sin control you. Verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Walter, that's what she meant when Walter was asking the question. See, I'm covering for you today. Walter said, what are you doing? What video? What are you showing? See, that person was in a graveyard talking to a bunch of dead people, but they weren't responding to it. And the idea is that that's the same way that we need to be towards sin. We just don't respond to it. It's going to come knocking. How many know that ain't going to stop the devil from trying? He's going to come at you, and usually he's going to come at you where you're weak at. How many know where you're, where, you're, where you're spiritually weak at? Let me see your hand. How many know where your weaknesses are? Come on. If you know where your weaknesses are, you got to fortify yourself, right? So if you know where you're weak, be smart. Protect yourself. Now, everybody's weakness is a little bit different. Everybody got different weaknesses and different things about your flesh and your appetite. You got to know it. So know yourself. Be honest with yourself. And say, you know what? I, got a pro- I can't go here. I can't do that. I can't be here. I can't. Because for me, it's going to be a problem. Maybe not for somebody else. Maybe not for Peggy. It won't be a problem. Maybe not for Diva. But for me, for Pastor Bailey, it's a problem. I can't do it. It's, you got to know yourself because everybody's fleshly appetite is different. But we're all called to overcome it, and we can overcome it. If we continue to feed our spirit, man, that's the one thing that we got to do, because that's the only way we're going to control our lust. That's why when he said, don't let sin reign in your body. Verse number 12 in Romans six. Don't let it rain. Well, I thought God was going to make sure that happened. Let's look at that verse again. If God was going to make it happen, why is he commanding you not to let it happen? I'm asking a question. It seems like to me he's suggesting that we have a choice to make. Therefore, he said, don't let it happen. Don't let it rain in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Don't obey it. You can, but don't do it. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead. Your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. That's what God's aim is. That's what Jesus wants to happen. He don't want sin to have dominion over us. Some of the struggles, I understand that sometimes all of us have different struggles with different things. I understand the power of addiction. But I also understand, having spent some time in this particular atmosphere of life, that sometimes that these addictions are pervasive, And they are perpetual because we feed them. We set the stage for them. You follow what I'm saying? We're not smart about how many know when the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We got to know everywhere you go. I don't get in nobody's car. If I ever arrive with somebody, 
you know, you know, like young people, like, uh, yeah, you have, you have, I hear teenagers do this, because we never let our kids do it. Where y'all going? Okay, can I go with such and such? Where you going? I don't know. We're just going to go hang out. Nah, nah, nah. We ain't going to just hang out. <laughs> no, I need to know where you are going. Because watch this, church. A lot of people get in trouble because they're living life without purpose. How many know purpose will keep you on track? Y'all hear what I'm saying? See, that's a good word. And that was free. Purpose will keep you on track. Purpose will protect you. Purpose will keep you out of sin. Because how many know sometimes you you may not have no intention on sinning, but if you were the wrong person, you might reap the same consequence that person. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Just because you were there. Parents, be smart about your kids. Not only, look, we need to have the attitude as parents, you can do what you want to do, but not on my watch. <laughs> now, parents, that need to be our motto. Not on my watch. If you want to do it when you get grown, do your own thing, okay, but not on my watch. Parents, look at your kids and say, not on my watch. Come on, tell them, not on my watch. I know, that, I know they, don't want to, they don't want to hear it. Jesus. My daughter back there laughing. She know I tell her, not on my watch. Because I'm responsible to God. I'm not accountable to you. I'm accountable to God for what I do. Are y'all hearing me? Parents, we're first accountable to God. So we need to live like we understand that. Don't let it rain in your mortal bodies that you should obey your lust. So the resurrection life also, goodness, this is point two. We've got 10 minutes to finish this. The resurrection life provides power over sin. This is the second point. In verse, uh, Romans 8, verses 10 and 11, and Christ lived within you. This is beautiful. So even though your body will die because of sin, because your flesh is still where it is, it hasn't been redeemed yet. You got that? So, this, so we got to understand that. I know some of you just came from a funeral. You understand that? Your flesh ain't fixed yet. It ain't fixed. It's coming, but not yet. The spirit man is. The spirit man is the real you. Y'all hear what I'm saying? That's the real you. All right? And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die, should Christ tarry, because of sin, all right, the spirit gives you life. Watch this. Because you have been made right with God. This is beautiful. Your spirit, man, has been quickened. It's been made alive. And the spirit of God, watch this. This is the verse. Are y'all listen and say amen. This is, this, is, this is it right here. Verse 11. This is Romans chapter 8, verse, verse number 11. He said, now watch this. And the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Y'all, y'all, listen to this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, watch this, lives inside of you. Are y'all getting that? And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, look at this, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit that's going to be living in you. Is that what it say? Does it say it's going to be living in you? What does it say? I'm not an English major, but I believe that's present tense. Am I correct? That's not past tense. That's not future tense. That's present tense. In other words, church, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, watch this church, lives on the inside of you and me. Isn't that good? That same power. So we have power to overcome sin, to live above it. We don't have, what? Because, you know, the, no, Jesus said this um, um, in, in John. He's in John chapter 14, 15, 18. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Another helper. Here it is. That he may abide with you forever. How many know the Spirit of God, if he is, he abides with you forever. 
and the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells, watch this, he, for, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, Jesus is talking about future tense after he dies. This is what's going to happen. And I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. So now then, pastor, I can't live this spiritual. I can't live the life God wants me to live. You can't in your own strength. You can't. That you said rightly. But if you're saved, you got Holy Spirit power living out on the inside of you. So that same power that raised Jesus from the dead will give you power not to succumb to sin. You have the power down on the inside of you. The power, the question is, are you going, how are you going to utilize it? How many know that if you got a lamp in your house that works, but if you need light in the house, if you don't plug the dog on, you can sit there all day and say, I got a light. Man, it's it's bright, but how many know that light means nothing to you until you what? You got to activate it. You got to allow the light to shine. How are we going to allow the light to shine? I'm going to plug it in. Same thing with spirit. We have to allow it. We got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Now, Holy Spirit, take control. How many of you have ever prayed that prayer? Holy Spirit, lead me. Take control. What you're in essence saying is, Holy Spirit, I'm going to follow you because your presence is living down on the inside of me. And your presence is telling me how to live. Your presence is dictating to me. Gary, turn this way. Yeah, your flesh is going to say turn right. But you're going to your flesh is going to say turn left. But the spirit of God inside of you is going to say turn right. And you're standing right there at the crossroads. Here's the question. Who are you going to obey? See? How many of you, how many of you are witnesses that, that you've fallen into situations and the spirit of God has spoken to you? How many of you found yourself in those type of situations where the spirit of God has spoken to you and for whatever reason, you know, you didn't, you didn't obey it. And then you sit back and you wonder. You went like, oh, gosh, I, I didn't obey. And you know you should have obeyed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you should have did it, but you didn't. And then there was a consequence behind it. So he's letting us know right now. He's communicating to us this truth. The Bible talks about how that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And here it is. Who do not walk according to the flesh. That's us. We don't walk according to the flesh. Everybody say, we don't. Say it again. We don't. Say it again. We don't. We don't walk according to the flesh. In other words, my flesh is going to tell me this. See, this is reality because I'm trying to help us. This is so important because your flesh is going to tell you to do wrong. Expect it. Don't take pride in saying you ever got in a situation when somebody like tick you off. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then you say to yourself, man, that, that old man like that almost came up. Y'all, <laughs> it, it almost it almost revved up. Don't let it come up. Stop trying to resurrect that old man. Let it stay dead. Let it die. It ain't going to do but get you in trouble anyway. Let it die and take more pleasure in obeying God and following the spirit of God. Because the spirit of God, the Bible says that the spirit of God gives us life. That's why he says, I say then walk in the spirit and then you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. Now, what are, when we talk about flesh, what are we talking about? Destiny? What are we talking about? We're talking about adultery. Fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, lying, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, envy, murder, drunkenness, revileries, and such like, of which I've told you before, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Those are lusts of the flesh. That was just a small list. That miss, and you know what's scary about it? 
that list wasn't meant to be exhaustive. <laughs> That's what's scary about it. So we understand. So we got to walk in the spirit. And if we walk in the spirit, now, if, no man, if you don't have the spirit of God inside of you, then you're not saved. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Every saved person have the spirit of God living on the inside of them. You got that? If you don't have the spirit of God living down on the inside of you, then you're not saved. All right, so let's, let's make sure we want to keep that point. All right, so let's look at uh, Romans 6, verses 6 through 7. And we're going to get ready to close it down. Resurrection life provides freedom from sin. You know, we're going to talk about third point, the freedom we have from sin. Knowing this, this is Romans 6, verses 6 through 7, still in Romans 6. Knowing that our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin may be done away with, that we shall no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, how many know that as a Christian you have a new master? You have a new master. And how many of you know that your master is, is bigger and stronger than your former master, the devil? How many of you would agree with that? You got a new master now. And, and, and you know what? In a new master, if, if, you know, if, you're, if, you're in, if you're enslaved to someone or you're a slave and you got a, a new master that shows up and beat your old master up and just, just, just beat him down, then a new master say, now go on, you're free. Go walk in freedom. You'd be a fool to stay there, wouldn't you? He just beat your old master because you're scared. And you're scared of the old master. The old master has been tormenting you. That old master has been putting you in fear. That old master has been making your life miserable, causing you all kinds of pain. Now you got a new master who jumps on the scene say, now I'm going to set you free. You're going to enjoy your life as I intended you to enjoy your life. How many know that aren't you glad that God has nothing but good intentions for us? The only reason why God gives us any rules is for our protection. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that. The only, only reason why we got rules is because not because he just want to give us rules. He's giving us rules because he knows we're prone to go the wrong direction, right? So he gives us rules and regulations. Why? To protect us. He said, look, walk in this way. You've been free. You know, um, every time I ever locked up anybody, when I was in police work, Locked up somebody, man. One of the things that they often say to me is, when can I get these things off? Because they, I mean, no, they're uncomfortable. Nobody likes being on lockdown. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You like to be free. And then when you take the handcuff off of them, man, like, ah, whew, thank God. They look at their wrist like, oh, free. But you know, the problem with them is they'll get direction. They'll get set, they'll get freed up. And they turn right back around and go back to the same old master. And here's what happened. And back in the same old situation. Because you keep going to the same old stupid master who ain't doing but done nothing but abusing you. How many know that Satan wants to do nothing but abuse you? He's an abuser. He tricks you. He tells you, oh, come on, try this. It'll taste good. It'll feel good to you. Oh, yeah, it'll feel good. How many know that we can't lie to, we can't lie to people? There's pleasure in sin for what? Oh, yeah, it does feel good. Oh, yeah, it feels right. You ever heard somebody tell you that? Man, it just feels right. I love him. I love her. It just feels right. But if we're going to experience what God has for us, we got to be smarter than that. We got we to stop going back to old masters. Stop going back to old way of living. You know, we're overcomers. 
of sin. We're overcomers. That means that we're not, a, we're not a slave to sin anymore. That's what's beautiful. We don't have to do it anymore. But here's the thing. If you want to go back, God loves you enough to let you go back. Because he's not going to force you to stay free. That's a choice you got to make. I got to make that choice. You got to make the choice. Do you want to be free or do you want to live your life always looking around behind your back, always worried, relationship jacked up, marriage jacked up, everything messed up, and life is just... No, let's enjoy life as God intended. And I'm closing. So we've been set free. Galatians 5.13, I'm going to leave you with this. For brethren, you have been called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. You've been called to freedom. You've been set free from sin. You've been made right with God. Practically speaking, we have to make a decision whether or not we're going to follow his, his way. And all of us know his way because God's law has been written down on the inside of our hearts. It's not about what's uh, on, in ink, but it's about what's been written down on the inside of our hearts. We all know what we're called to do and what we're supposed to do. And I want to, I want to encourage you this morning. You're a believer this morning. I want you to live free. Don't let the devil keep robbing you in your inheritance. God's life and God's way is the better life. It's the best life. It's the safest life. And when you live for Christ, you are really truly living. When you're not living for Jesus, you're not truly living. You're missing out. You're missing out. Don't let yourself be hoodwinked into doing what is popular. Because the Bible says, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there we will be that will find it. Let's pray.